Hello and welcome into season two of the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa for what's going to be a very different episode than what you're probably used to. We've, you know, spent 17 episodes, some, some number in there talking about football. We'll still talk a little football, but I mean, not a ton to talk about. So uh, this episode is going to look a whole lot different, but it's still me and Dustin. And uh, so I'm excited to get into it and see what this season of the podcast has in store. So Dustin, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Yeah. Kate, thanks for that intro. I thought that was Kate's idea. I think it's a great idea to kind of break things up between the different sports seasons and we'll have along with basketball no kid we talked about kind of teasing this but we'll we'll do some more stuff on recruiting we're going to do some kind of film breakdowns on that we'll put that out on twitter as well we'll talk basketball recruiting we'll talk some baseball some softball so we'll mix kind of everything in there and if there's any other oklahoma state news we'll try to hit it so well and at some point this podcast is going to be you know heavy basketball recruiting like things are going to look a lot different as we get out of the the dog days of football um and i just hope that you'll stick around and listen with us because uh I, I think it's fun. I think Dustin and I are fun together. So we hope you guys think the same. And um, yeah, it's fun to get into it. But something not so fun to talk about is uh, the Oklahoma State basketball team. And, and that's kind of where we're going to begin. I mean, you know, a, a great game. I mean, we'll start with Texas. I mean, that was that was at the most enjoyment I got out of a uh, Oklahoma State basketball game all season. I've watched all of them. So not a lot of positive things going on up until Saturday against Texas. I mean, Dustin, what was your what was your prevailing thought? What did you think about that performance just kind of out of the blue? Yeah, they never trailed in that game, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. That made it fun to watch. Not that, I mean, Oklahoma State's had some good games this season. That one just was a lot of fun because of that. But, Kate, I think the thing that stood out to me the most is I believe I'm pulling it up right now that this was their, yes, it was their second best night from three of the season, 41% or 47% on 17 attempts. The only one that topped that was their game against College of Charleston where they shot nine of 18, so 50%. They actually haven't even got close to that 47 or 50. The next closest is 36%. So we've been talking about it. It's kind of it's kind of in the tail of their season, especially when teams go zone that Oklahoma state has issues shooting from the outside. Well, and I think we said this the last couple episodes as we, you know, very quickly talked about basketball that they just have a problem getting the round orange ball in the round hoop. And, and we said when the ball starts going through the net, they're going to win some games. And that's what happened. I mean, they didn't shoot great. I think they still shot, you know, 38.5% from the floor, which is uh, just slightly worse than Texas. But they they made shots from deep, and it forced Texas to respect that, which Texas defensively is a nightmare. They are so good <laughs> defensively. So without, you know, those set, uh, eight threes, I mean, you, you go back down to their average of, of five. I mean, you're looking at a much different type of ball game. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting to see that happen, but I mean, it was primarily Keelan. He had five on his own, I think. Right, Dustin. Yeah. So he was six of eight shooting, yeah. I believe on the night, five of seven from three also doing six rebounds and the Cowboys shot 70% from the free throw line, which I believe is, is several points higher than their 66% season average, which 70 still not amazing, but yeah. it's better than what they have been shooting from the free throw line. I think they rank like 306th or something in free throw percentage, along with three point percentage being in the 300s and three point attempts. So we talked about their shooting woes, but yes, a positive note in that game, Keelan Boone was money from deep. And I think the reason he hasn't, you know, been getting a ton of minutes is he's a little bit of a liability on the defensive end. Yeah. He seems to get beat off the dribble and not always be in the right helper spot in his help defense. And he doesn't really contribute much else on the offensive end. But I don't know if that's really him or the flow of the offense because he doesn't ever have a very high usage rate. So the fact that he's not dishing out assists, you know, it's kind of a flow of the game type thing, but he, you know, zero assist in that game, but he did contribute with the six rebounds. So it's great to have somebody contribute from deep because the Cowboys, like we said, they've struggled really from out there. And what about your guy, Tyreek Smith? Getting some minutes in that game. Yeah. And looked good. Didn't score a lot of points, but I thought he looked good. Well, I've thought Tyreek Smith has looked good most games he's been in. And again, not contributing a ton in the stat column, but is giving you good minutes, gives you good energy. I really like what he's done. And, you know, not to jump ahead to the West Virginia game, but you look at him and then you wonder why Caleb Boone isn't playing as much. And there does seem to be a little bit of an energy level difference between the two. Like Tyreek Smith gets out there and he's jumping around and he's making plays on defense. And I, I can see why, you know, the, the big question was against Texas, where in the world is Caleb Boone in all of this? I think he, you know, when he's on, he would have given Texas some real issues. Obviously Trey Mitchell, not in that game. Like he's, he's a bad matchup for a lot of teams that like to play that, you know, six foot nine guy at the center spot. He's a tough matchup for that guy. And really like only a David McCormick and a Oscar Shibway, who's not even in the conference anymore are guys that give him problems. So when Caleb is on, it's like, he's a problem for most teams, but he didn't even play in this game. And so it was really good to, you know, to answer your question, to see Tyreek do that. I, I was, I've been excited about him. Gives him great minutes. And I thought Musa Cisse also looked pretty good at times. He was cleaning up the glass at late in that first half to kind of keep Texas at bay. And, um, you know, they what's interesting about OSU right now is they have a lot of pieces contributing at different levels at different times. So you had the Avery Anderson and Bryce Williams show against Texas, uh, obviously in the Keelan Boone show, those three. And then you look at what happened last night against West Virginia which we'll get to that game more, but you look at what happened there and it was just like night and day. None of those guys did much of anything. I, yeah. I, so they're getting, and then, you know, Isaac likely four points against Texas and then, you know, dominated that game against West Virginia for a stretch. So it's like, they're, they're not getting consistent play from anybody, not even their, you know, seniors. And so it's extremely difficult to know what to expect night in and night out. Um, and I think that's how you end up with a, you know, 13 point win over one of the best defensive teams in the country. And then a, a really disappointing loss that frankly wasn't even as close as 10 points, you know, last night. So it's just a, it's a tough team right now. Um, but 
as we all know, I mean, Boynton's teams tend to get better late. Um, and we'll see how that Texas win prevails them. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough time for them right now. Yeah. And I completely agree. And you're right. Hitting on that inconsistency, even going back to us talking about Tyreek Smith, the inconsistency seems to be drawing even into their practices because Mike Boynton said when asked about why Caleb Boone didn't play, he just said Tyreek's been practicing better. And he said he was going to give him given an opportunity because of that. He's just been practicing better than Caleb has. So I, th- I think it's just inconsistent. Like you said, all around, that's causing a lot of these Oklahoma state problems on the offensive end because their defense has been pretty stout Yeah, for most of the season. There was some issues in that West Virginia game, but Against Texas, forced them to 10 turnovers in the first half, 14 for the game, and really just pressured them the entire time. I believe I believe that was – tech. so Texas scored 51. That was their lowest, I believe, of the season. Their previous low was 60 at Seton Hall mm. in December. So uh, the, the defense has been fine. Uh, Bryce Williams, he struggled early in the game, came on late hit some big free throws, six to six from the free throw line. After the game, I believe Mike Boynton said he was playing on kind of a bum ankle. Mm. So I don't know how much that's affecting him, but only nine turnovers. We said turnovers were an issue. Avery Anderson has had some turnover issues and he, you know, he didn't contribute much in the point in points, two of eight from the field, eight points total, but he had six rebounds, four assists. Like I said, the one turnover, he was kind of getting involved in other ways, playing some solid defense. The, the hustle in this game yeah. by Oklahoma State and the overall just aggressiveness and willingness to just go after the basketball. If it was loose, when Texas had the ball driven up the floor, it was just intense. The overall tenacity from their defense and even on the offensive end was awesome. So it was a fun game to watch. I, I think that might have been the most fun one to watch of the season. No doubt about it. And then you get to West Virginia, which might have been one of the least fun. I think that's a perfect segue because it it couldn't have been two more different, like looking, feeling games. I mean, early on in that West Virginia game, I thought, oh boy, that Texas game might propel them into a little run here. Frankly, I think I said this on the last episode. In this four game stretch, just get one. I mean, this is this is a extremely like unusual difficult period like most teams don't have to play three games in five days on the road and so when you put texas and then bookend it with baylor it's like just get one so they've already done that but i thought early on in that game it's like oklahoma state looked like the aggressor you know and i'm talking first five six seven minutes of that game they looked like the aggressor avery anderson was playing well, but they just couldn't get the ball to go in. I mean, they, Avery had a finger roll at the, at the rim go like roll out. I think they had several wide open threes early that that didn't go in. And if you're going to beat West Virginia and Morgantown, you got to make shots. And they just they just didn't. And you know, inconsistency on the on the defensive end of the floor. You know, I think West Virginia went six and a half minutes without a basket. So last two games, I think Texas went a similar, had a similar scoring drought. And then West Virginia does as well. Um, But Oklahoma State couldn't capitalize, you know, that they still bring the game closer, but inconsistency on the defensive side, you know, I think Oklahoma State got it to seven late in the second half. And then in a, in a snap of your fingers, it's back to 16. So um, it's just, again, not, not an entirely fun team to watch right now. They, 
they try. The effort is great, which is, you know, number one, postseason ban. That's impressive enough that they're out there. Like, you can tell they're hustling. But they just – they're not doing a whole lot well. And I don't know where to point to, but it's just it's just not great at all. No, I completely agree. And just to harp on it again, 26% from three, five of 19. It's just tough to win. Six of their eight wins have come when they've shot 30% from three or better. Yeah. Five of them, 36% or better. Their average on the season is 29%. So it's tough to win games when, when you need that 30% mark to win and your average is 29. It, it's just – and the thing is they're, they're playing well on defensive end. I think they rank in the top – like 25-ish steals, blocks, turnovers. So they're playing well. They out-rebounded West Virginia in this game. I believe it was 39-36. to Tough to do. They love to get on the glass. Yeah, they got some points in the fast break. It's just – there's so much we've talked about it when we were talking about the Texas game, so much inconsistency on the offensive end. And I think one of the problem is if if Bryce really is hurt on his ankle – I think, and Cade, let me know what you think about this. We've kind of talked about it on here, but I think Bryce Williams has to be the guy. Mm. I think he needs his usage percentage to be the highest. And then you need Avery and Ice to probably come in right after that. But in this game, Avery's got the highest usage percentage. In the Texas game, they all were around 18%. I, I would prefer that over Avery or Ice having such a high usage percentage because I think the problem there is – and I promise at some point I'll let you answer the question I just asked. No, I, it's great. But I think the problem is in the half court. So a lot of basketball nowadays, and, and it has been for a little while, especially in the NBA, it's a lot of pick and roll stuff. You know, Oklahoma State runs that kind of spread motion with a lot of off ball screens too. But you want to get stuff going in the pick and roll. Well, when you've got ice with the ball, and ice does so much stuff well. He's a great defender. If you get him on the break, he's scoring. Not a great free throw shooter, but he's great on defense. He's, he's very experienced. He's good at just kind of calming the offense down, setting everything up. He's, he sets good screens himself for a guard. But the problem is when you get him in the pick and roll with somebody like Cissé, you're starting big man. So in the pick and roll, you've got several options. You can, you know, cut, roll off the screen, rim run. So the guy going off the pick will pass it into the big man. Or if both guys flow with the big man, the guy, the guard can take the shot. The big man can pick and pop. Or you could always find a guy, if everybody's crowded around the pick and roll because it's working well, you could find a shooter outside. Well, the last part I just talked about, they don't have any shooters right now outside to kick it to. Ice, everyone is going to go under the screen on him because he's not a threat to shoot it. Cissé isn't a pick and pop guy. So that leaves you with Cissé running to the rim or Ice driving. And you've already got two defenders there and you can have someone helping because one of the three guys on the outside isn't a good shooter, probably two of them, really only Keelan right now. So you're just eliminating a bunch of options out of the pick and roll. And I think it's kind of the same with Avery right now, just because he's struggling with his shot and it just makes it tough in the half court. You kind of have to just find ways to backdoor screen cut off ball we saw them doing that against texas i put a clip of it of one of the one of the sets they kept running but it just makes the half court offense so difficult because you can't really get anything going with your guards you're you're basically game planning for a defensive breakdown like in order for it to work 
they have to break down, which we saw it last night. I think uh, like the one time they, they had, you know, uh, clear success on the pick and roll was a lob to Cisse where both defenders stayed with ice for some reason and Cisse is wide open to get the lob. So I love what you're saying. I also am definitely picking up what you're putting down on Bryce Williams raising his usage rate. Why was Avery Anderson so good last year and why does he appear to, you know, have taken a, a slight step back? I'm going to go with the fact that he played off the ball a lot last year. He was not a ball dominant point guard granted he dropped what 40 on West Virginia or something like that in the one game that he was extremely ball dominant so we thought he may have that in him but he he was the two guard in that lineup with Cade Cunningham but he was they were sharing you know contributions so Avery wasn't turning the ball over nearly as much he didn't feel like he had to do as much and so that probably freed him up to think I can either cut I can use my jump shot that has has improved drastically since he's got on campus or I can give the ball up. But now it's like he's like, I've got to create. I've got to create for everybody around me. And he just does things that like you would hope a junior at this point doesn't do. But it's it's hard to knock it on him because as you just alluded to, Dustin, and their struggles in the pick and roll, they just they do not have many weapons. And and frankly, when they get in the half court, with Isaac likely as, as much as I love him as, as hard as he plays it's four on five in the half court, because they do not have to respect much of anything other than likely trying to get to the rim, which he's not all that adept at. So it, it's a very tough situation. And I, I just don't know where the fix is. They're going to have to get somebody looking at you, Bryce Thompson to step up and become a consistent threat outside of Keelan Boone to hit a jump shot. Because right now, nobody else is doing it. No, I 100% agree. And, okay, just, just speaking on Avery Anderson's kind of higher usage rate and why I know you and I both don't think that's a great idea, he has 26 assists on the season to 43 turnovers. Mm. He's basically double the amount of turnovers as he does assists. Really, the only two people that have a good assist – high number of assists and a good assist to turnover ratio or ice with 52 and 26 turnovers. And then Bryce Williams has 37 assists to 31 turnovers. So not great, but a little bit better. But I think, I think it's gotta be Bryce as the main offensive initiator with help from ice. And then AA is kind of that off ball guy, like you're alluding to, because I just don't think he, he had five turnovers against West Virginia. I just don't know if he's, the guy you want as one of your primary ball handlers, but you do want him as one of your primary scorers. And I think a good way for him to do that is off the ball, but also he's got to get help from Bryce and other guys on offense to kind of take some of the attention away from him. Like you right. were talking about Cage right. used to do, because if he's getting double teamed and stuff, I just don't think he's that guy. Well, and, and every team's best defender is, is on him. Because really, that's that's all you really have to worry about from an on-ball perspective. Like, nobody else is a, is a play creator. Nobody else is a shot creator on the team. It's pretty much Avery Anderson. So if you've got a lockdown defender, which there's a lot of them in the Big 12, um, you can fare pretty well against this team. Um, so anyway, it's a it's a tough, tough watch right now. But I... I just don't know where they go from here unless team, unless guys start to make shots. I don't see how much of this season looks very different because I've said from really like the North Carolina state game 
that if the ball goes in, they're a good team. And if the ball doesn't go in, things don't go well. And, you know, one thing we've got to note, too, speaking of the ball going in the hoop, West Virginia shot 96% from the free throw line last night. They missed all of one out of 22 attempts. And, <laughs> and Oklahoma State does not shoot that well. So um, there, there's a big difference in the game as well. You can factor turnovers, not hitting threes. I mean, West Virginia didn't miss from the free throw line. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here because it does not get any easier as they tomorrow. So by the time you're probably listening to this, it'll be Thursday morning. Um, Oklahoma State goes to Texas Tech to make up that game that was uh, paused due to, due to COVID a couple of weeks ago. But Texas Tech, uh, that no big deal. They just knocked off the number one ranked team on the road, who had a twenty-one game winning streak, uh, and the defending the, the defending national champions. So no pressure. And then you have to go play the defending national champions the next, you know, that Saturday. So tough, tough stretch, and it'll get easier. I think these games will get a little bit more enjoyable. But it's it's a buzzsaw right now, man. It really is. Yeah, it's going to be tough, like you said, with Tech, Baylor. Then you've got TCU. That's a winnable game. you got Texas again. Iowa State's a winnable game. So you've got some mixed in there. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it ends up. But, again, that Texas game was so much fun to watch. I'm hoping they can kind of replicate that. It's just, you know, Boyne's been trying all these different starting lineups, trying different rotations, kind of had some a weird rotation late in that West Virginia game. But we'll see – Hopefully something works. They can find some consistency, what we've talked about several times already, and string together some wins because win or lose, we're going to be talking about it. And I know we're kind of <laughs> negative right now, but <laughs> if they well, start winning, we'll get real positive. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> OSU hoops is my first love. I think I've said this before, but uh, it, it always has been. So I, I do not in, get much pleasure talking about, you know, a bad Oklahoma state team. I'd rather watch it, take it on the chin and move on and, Tell myself somehow you're going to win next time. But here's my question to you, Dustin. Any chance they get Texas Tech on a hangover tomorrow? I, I just have this feeling. I know – I mean, they they have beaten Iowa State. I think that was on the road or maybe they – I thought maybe they lost that game. I'm sorry. The days have ran together since we all, you know, had COVID. I'm sorry. What I was thinking of is they beat Kansas at home and then just beat Baylor on the road in, you know, a span of three days. Is there any way – they catch Texas Tech, you know, who is eight-point favorites in a, in a hangover type of situation tomorrow. I could see it. that They've got to they've shoot a decent percentage from three. If they can hit, let's say, 35%. I was three, thinking I think 35. Can, I think they can win if – obviously, they play well in other areas. But I think you've got to at least have that. But I, I agree. I think they can catch them. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I guess we will see. We won't have a podcast later in the week to talk about it. We'll talk about it next week. But anyway, tough stretch coming up. And, um, yeah, Dustin, any final thoughts on, on basketball before we move on? No, I think I'm good. Okay, well, let's take a break from that thrilling, fun discussion. And uh, let's take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift 
uh, Home Field Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Home Field Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, moving right along into what will be undoubtedly a weekly, you know, segment. So if you've got segment name ideas for our transfer portal discussion, it's going to we'll, we'll take them. If you want to sponsor our transfer portal discussion, um, like if you're a manufacturer of tubes or any sort of like, um, I don't know, anything that would fit with the transfer portal vibe, any portal vibe, we're, we're taking sponsors for this segment because every week there's something new and, and we've got new stuff now. Dustin, I mean, what's the latest? Yeah, so let's just run through all the guys in the transfer portal and where, and where they went if they've left. So this is in order of kind of when they entered the portal. So you got Hunter Anthony, offensive lineman. He's already committed to Nebraska. Jaden Jernigan, defensive tackle. He's committed to Missouri. Got running back Desmond Jackson, undecided at the moment. Safety Tanner McAllister is headed to Ohio State with Jim Knowles. Offensive lineman Monroe Mills. He's going to Texas Tech. Wide receiver Matt Polk entered, but he's undecided right now. Offensive lineman Cade Bennett is in. I know I saw he's visiting Colorado on mm-hmm. January 14th, so later this week. And then just yesterday, safety. I, I know we played some cornerback as well, I believe. Um, didn't get a lot of action besides special teams. Gabe Lemons just entered, so he's undecided right now. So that is everybody in the portal. And then we have not coming back either because they've exhausted eligibility or they're going to the NFL. We've got Christian Holmes, Logan Carter, Devin Harper, Malcolm Rodriguez, Danny Godlevsky, Josh Sills, running backs Jalen Warren and LB Brown. Safeties Colby Harbell Peel, safety Trey Sterling, wide receiver Tay Martin. And then today, the big one, our guy. Yeah. Defensive tackle number 95, Israel Antwine, former Colorado transfer, just the anchor in the interior of the defensive line. Cade and I talked a lot of defensive line this year, and he's one of our favorite players. That's a big hit. I mean, Cade, what's your what's your take on kind of these new additions and just <sighs> him leaving? Antoine hurts a lot. You know, we kind of talked about the, the, the additions last week, but Antoine is one you had kind of alluded to this possibility. I wasn't so sure, but it's surprising. And, you know, I'm glad it's not the, the transfer portal. It's the NFL draft that he's going for. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I didn't, I didn't have him pegged as an, an early entrant to the NFL draft. I just didn't, but it makes sense. What I what I get concerned about again, thanks to our good friend Adam Lunt for for putting this in my head is, what do you do at defensive tackle if you can't go get somebody in the portal, somebody worth you know their weight in gold or so to speak? I, I don't know what you do because now there's a, there's a problem there or a potential problem. Yeah, so let's just kind of talk through it. We're, we're looking at our depth chart and. I'll put another one. Uh, I'll put another one out of Cade and I's depth chart because we made some changes to it. Obviously, since yep. this has happened, that'll be kind of our Twitter thread for this week. But right now, you've got the only real guys that have played meaningful snaps at defensive tackle are Brendan Evers and Sione Asi. 
neither of them have officially said they are coming back. Evers, I know, I, I believe he's having a surgery. I know, I think he was waiting to see what happened after that to kind of make his final decision. I think Sione's going to come back. But behind him, you've got Xavier Ross, who we talked about, played not very many snaps against Notre Dame, but in those snaps looked well, looked really good. He had, I think he had two QB hurries. You've got Colin Clay, who's had some injury issues, but highly touted out of high school Putnam City guy. He's a transfer from Arkansas. And then you've got Aiden Kelly, another big-time high school recruit. But outside of that, it's guys that haven't played, and even the three that I just mentioned haven't really played very much. So you're looking at some depth issues there. And I think I think the number one priority right now, well, one and two, are offensive line and defensive tackle on the transfer portal. And, Kate, if you want me to kind of run through – those two positions right now, I can kind of take us through what's going on there. Yeah, I think so. All right. So at defensive tackle, the only kind of known commodities that Oklahoma state has offered Jackson player dominating force out of Tulsa. I've heard he put Oklahoma state in his top five. He released, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago, but from what I've heard, I've seen this on rivals and I believe Pope's report reported that he's narrowed his list down pretty much the primary three players are TCU, Arkansas, and Baylor. He's from mm-hmm. Waco. I believe Arkansas is the big name there. I heard OU still may be in the mix, but it sounds like Oklahoma State is out. And then Miko Wingo, Oklahoma State offered from Missouri. So basically a swap there for Jaden Jernigan, but he just came out with a final four of USC, LSU, Arkansas, and OU. Sheesh. So both of the guys that Oklahoma State has offered – it doesn't look like they're going to come here. I, I believe players announcing this weekend. So we'll see, you know, maybe they come hard after them with the Antoine news, but mm. a couple guys that I like that are in the portal. And again, by the time this comes out, these guys may have committed somewhere because and the there will be more stuff <laughs> is absolutely wild. I don't know. One of the best accounts to follow if you're not following is the at rivals portal. It's rivals transfer portals account. They are on top of it. And if you want to follow them and turn notifications on, it'll probably run your battery down, but they've got some good info there. So, Kate, let me run some names by you. I've got Sincere David from Ole Miss, 6'3", 300 pounds. He's a senior with one year of eligibility left. Played in all 10 games last year with one start at defensive tackle. I've got Aaron Famua from Virginia defensive lineman. He entered recently, 6'1", 300 pounds, Fourth-year player, so he should have one left. In 2021, he had 23 total tackles, three and a half for loss, plus a sack. He's already got some offers, though. Fresno State, New Mexico, Utah, Utah State, Wisconsin. I've got Andy Boinkin, Arkansas defensive lineman. He entered, again, another guy that entered, I think, pretty recently. He didn't record any stats. Uh, I believe he only appeared in a couple games in 2020, none in 2021. 6'4", 290. Three-star, though, out of his recruiting class in 2020. Then you've got this guy I really like, Nesta Jade Silvera from Miami. His names are great. Yes. 6'2", 306 pounds, played in 41 games in his career at Miami, 42 solo tackles, 16 tackles for loss, and two sacks. I know Louisville has been in contact with him. He's a recent entry. I, I really like him a lot. Then two more, Dre Butler, Auburn, senior defensive lineman, 6'5", 298 pounds. Um, 
during his two seasons at Auburn, he appeared in, he only appeared in 13 games, one start, 20 tackles, two for loss. And then this guy, like another recent entry, another wild name, Joseph Darkwa. And I believe he goes by Joseph Apia Darkwa, six foot five, 295 pound, three-star recruits. He was an academic all big 10 selection. So smart guy there. And he, he never appeared in a game, but Penn State guy, high recruit out of high school. I know he's got some kind of lower level offers right now, but they've been racking up since he entered. I, b- I believe I already saw he's like five or six offers and he just entered a couple of days ago. So those are some names to watch. Again, they, I, out of those, I really like Silvera out of Miami. I think 62306, he could come in and kind of fill that Antoine role in the middle of the defensive line. So he's kind of my stand out there but I, Oklahoma State hasn't contacted any of these guys and I don't I haven't seen and Kate correct me if I'm wrong I haven't seen any other defensive tackle offers no I haven't either the one I've been trying to you know learn a little bit more about just because I love the name is sincere David two years of eligibility you know that helps that helps kind of the issue we've been talking about with with depth going forward so potentially exact same size there. as Antoine also so, six three three hundred I believe I I would be interested to see what he's up to he just entered the portal. What is this? Um, he's been in it for a little while. He's been in it for nearly a month. He so, has, and I, he's racked up some offers, I believe. It's surprising that because uh, a lot of these guys enter and they've already got a home, no tampering going on or anything like that, though, right? Uh, but <laughs> like, I, I love the names you threw out there. Um, Joseph Appia Darkwa is a is an is an interesting one, and the Miami guy I liked as well. You could convince me on anybody at this point. They need they need warm bodies at defensive tackle. I'm, I'm convinced at this point. Yeah, I really just wanted to get some names out there. I know everybody's interested in the portal. I know you and I are. Oh, I love it. There's just <laughs> love it, so much it. in there. It's tough. So. If you want to move on, I, I know we talked offensive line, but just so we can follow with the order of my notes and not to confuse my small brain. <laughs> the, we know that they're going after run. what's been said and what's been rumored is running back, offensive line, de- interior defensive line. So I have running back next if you want to hit them. And kind of a good topic because they literally just offered Nathaniel Pete from Stanford, 5'10", 197-pounder. Played three years at Stanford, 117 attempts, 665 yards, and four TDs. Last season, though, 79 attempts for 404 yards, I believe, in three TDs. I believe he was their leading rusher. I think he came in as like a change of pace guy. He had 11 receptions as well last year and then kind of took over the role. So he's a guy to watch. Another guy that I really liked in there, Dylan McDuffie from Buffalo. He – he only had like 120 ish yards in his first three seasons, but last season, a thousand and fifty two yards and 11 touchdowns. He's also a little bit bigger guy, six foot, 210 pounds. Kai Thomas from Minnesota. I know he's visiting KU soon. Kansas State and Purdue are heavily looking at him, but he's an 824 yard, six TD guy from last season, 5'11, 205. Jay Ducker from Northern Illinois, Mac freshman of the year. 1,184 yards last season, 5'10", 194, but he's got a lot of schools looking at him. Montrell Johnson from uh, Louisiana, 838 yards and 12 touchdowns last season. I know Florida is trying to get him. Napier is trying to get him to come with him to Florida. Noah Kane from Penn State just entered, played in 23 games for 
Penn State in his three years with the program, 5'10", 220 pounds, so a big dude there. And then the last one is the other Stanford running back, their second leading rusher, Austin Jones. He was a Pac-12 honorable mention in 2020, but like I said, he kind of fell off to Pete this season. But I really like Pete. I know he's got quite a few offers. He's probably my front runner there, especially since they offered him. But outside of him, I really like McDuffie, and I really like Noah Kane. I love I love how much you've gone through. The problem is I haven't seen any of these guys play. So now I got to go watch film on Nathaniel Pete. I got to go watch film on Jay Ducker. So that way next week I can come back and say, yes, Dustin, these are the guys that I would look at. Um, any of Duck- those guys sound interesting to you? Yes. Jay Based Ducker sounds. stats and size. Any it, 5'10". I'm trying to think of like a, a recruiting pitch like in the vein of what Jalen Warren was able to do. So you bring in a grad transfer, uh, a little bit unheralded. We were, we were kind of excited about it just to, you know, get another body in the running back room who was going to contribute. Nobody had any idea he'd be that good. And so I think they've probably got a pitch to make to one of these guys in the transfer portal. Say, Hey, come in, buy into the system and we'll make you an NFL draft candidate. Um, I love that idea, especially with the revolving door that is this transfer portal. I think you can make pitches like that, especially, you know, with what they were able to do with Jalen Warren. So um, I, I like all the names. Nathaniel Pete, just just being at Stanford, I really like that. Um, so I think you're, I think you're be on a Warren for sure. guy as well, because I know this season I said he was the leading rusher, but in 2020, he was more of a change of pace guy. Warren kind of fell into that role at Utah State right. and then Kane was kind of the premier back. So I think he'd be a great one. And then you mentioned a, a, a had a great point, just kind of an under the radar guy. I think Dylan McDuffie at Buffalo, he had a thousand yard rushing season, so he's not really under the radar, but just being from Buffalo, that would be interesting there. So we'll see a lot of big names. A lot of these running backs have a ton of offers and, I think two other guys, I, I had to fill in two more because I wanted to get to a certain number, had two guys on the list. And then literally like an hour later, they committed somewhere. So <laughs> it's the nature of this game, man. It's crazy. The, yeah, the world really has changed. So for offensive line, they actually have already offered three guys and one of them is coming for a visit. So I want to hit on all three of those. And Kate, I know you're privy to those guys as well. So we can talk through those. So I just want to give one name on the offensive line because I know they want to get a center. And all of these guys have been tackles. I know they want to get a tackle and a center. So one guy that just entered the portal that piqued my interest, Brian Green, 6'3", 300-pound, Washington State grad transfer. Played, played center and guard, but he mm. – he can play center. He had some injury issues there, but he's been, I think he appeared in 27 games, nine starts. Sounds like a guy who could come in and fill that Godlevsky spot. And I liked, I, I went and watched a little bit of Washington state. And I liked what I saw from him. And I think he's a name that I Oklahoma state needs to get on very quickly at center. Cause there's not, it didn't look like there was a ton of centers in the portal. Well, and they need one. We've talked about just interior offensive line in general. I think Tyrese Williams, Joe Mahalski, they both are capable of it, but I don't know if you want to go that way, especially with what you've got just on the tackles. Like, I think you're going to have two really good tackles. So let's, let's like make a run at this and let's have a really good offensive line next year. I, they've got to go get a center. They've got to just bolster that interior offensive line. So I love what you're saying. I love that it, the, it appears that focus in the transfer portal, you know, 
last week, this was kind of the case. It's changed a little bit as, as more and more people enter, but the focus seems to be the offensive line. Like what you and I are saying that interior offensive line could be better. It appears that that's where they're focusing a lot of their efforts. So it's good to see. I can't wait to, I can't wait to find out who they actually pull in. Yeah. So let's go through the three that they've offered. So first we've got Mason Brooks from Western Kentucky, former three-star recruit. He's like him a lot. I like him. Two-time All-Conference USA, first team this past season. 6'6", 310 pounds. He's already visited Stillwater. Then we've got Tennessee Martin, Michael Shanahan, 6'5", 310 pounds. He's got quite a few offers, I believe, but I think he's really interested in Oklahoma State. He's been All-Conference there. He's got a younger brother who's a four-star recruit, TJ Shanahan, who Oklahoma State has also offered. I believe he's making his college selection this weekend I don't think Oklahoma State's going to get him but that would be awesome to get them both I think he's expect. I think Shanahan is going on a visit this week so it may have already happened to Stillwater and then lastly another uh, small school guy with Georgetown Mac Hollensteiner 6'6 310 pounds again another tackle he said Oklahoma State is firmly in his top two schools right now to Pokes report I saw Robert Allen had talked to him He's been on Georgetown's roster since 2018. He's got two years of eligibility remaining. I really like him. I think one of the other schools that's in the mix for him is Rice. So I think Oklahoma State could win that battle. And I I know he's probably the least highly touted maybe of the three, but I like all three of these guys. And I think all three of them seem really experienced and could come in and at least be a rotation piece of tackle. Well, Dustin, you don't know this about me, but in 2006, I lived in in Connecticut, and that's when the Georgetown Hoyas made a deep run into the Final Four. Roy Hibbert, Jeff Green, and I was like, I mean, I had the Georgetown hoodie and everything. So I'm (laughs) I'm all in on on this kid. I I love it. I just love the connection. Not a whole lot of Georgetown football players. Who would I prefer? I'm going to go Brooks one. Uh, I like Brooks. The, yeah, he was the one that when he came in the portal, found out he was visiting. It's like, all right, that is a clear fit. And you need to do whatever you can do to get that guy on campus. What was the name you mentioned? Not the Georgetown kid, the new entrant into the portal. Uh, Green? Yeah, he's a center. Yeah. Okay. Love that too. Um, but again, Brooks is the one that I looked at early on and thought, that's a good fit. Feels like a Danny Godlevsky type of pickup. But yeah, I, I, he's got I, I, some some schools looking at him, right? Yeah, Brooks and Shanahan, I, I believe, have acquired quite a few offers. Yeah, I'm so sure. We'll see. If we could get both Shanahans, that would be great. Uh, I'd probably prefer that. But if we're going to go one of them, I think I'll take Brooks. But I'd, I'm fine with Holland Center. I think all these guys are good. I'd love – and whoever commits, we'll – Kate and I will obviously dive into the film on them and break them down in our recruiting breakdowns. We'll count them as part of the class. But – yeah, I mean, Kate, that was all I had. Probably a little bit too much, but us uh, never. So apologies you and me? for that, but no way. <laughs> but that's what we have on the transfer portal. I thought it's some interesting names, maybe just to get some conversations going. So oh, I love it. They're definitely going to get a defensive tackle. So you, I, I would expect to see a bunch of offers come out since Antoine entered. So we'll see. We'll kind of see what happens there. Um, but yeah, Cade, that's all. I, I think that's all I had. Uh, also, I think Cade Bennett's a big loss. I wanted to hit on that. Oh, we talked about it earlier, but I think he was some much needed depth. 
in the interior of the offensive line. So we'll kind of see what happens there, but yeah, going to miss Cade. Uh, he was a fun to write about and watch in his high school film. So he, uh, he popped off the, off the screen back when he was being recruited and, and, you know, on signing day, I remember looking at him just thinking that's, that's a physical guy. So no yeah, doubt about harming it. people in high school. Oh basically. yeah. Just bullying guys in Arizona, which there's some decent high school football out in Arizona. So definitely um, a, a tough loss there. And you hope they can find somebody of his caliber on the interior. I, I hope they do. I think they will. Um, but you definitely don't like losing depth, especially on the offensive line where it's been tough to come by over the years. So anyway, Dustin, thank you for that breakdown. I, Always appreciate uh, the work you go to to get those names for us. I mean, who would have thought you'd hear, hear about Nathaniel, Pete, and uh, I've already forgotten the names by now. I've written them down. But uh, Sincere David. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to send them all to you. Yeah, thank you. I, you. You guys, again, I've said this. Like, he hits me with these live. So if I sound unprepared but, and surprised, it's because I am. <laughs> this one, this one was – this one and the defensive coordinator one were both messed up by me because, yes, I did hit you with both those live. But most of these names I was coming up with earlier, so I didn't have a ton of time. No, 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 no. You got a, a what, two-month-old baby at home, so it's all good, <laughs> dude. Last week, we, we put off questions, actually. We had several that came in, and Dustin and I uh, shockingly went very long on the Notre Dame recap. Uh, so of course we had to move those questions to this week. So not only do we have those questions to get to, but we have this week's questions as well. And we've said this from the jump. This is, this is a, a new addition to, you know, mine and Dustin's podcast. Uh, we love having these mini guests on the episode and, uh, the last couple of weeks we haven't had any voice questions, but we finally do. Uh, and a big shout out to our friend, Ryan Winkle of the pod. He sent in a quick question. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and play it. Hey guys, love the podcast. Thank you for all the hard work you put into it. Um, so this OSU basketball team could very well end up with a losing record on the season or very close to it. And you have a couple of five-star guys in Musa Cisse and Bryce Thompson that transferred in and haven't really established themselves or, or leapt off the screen the way that we kind of hoped going into the season. Um, so I was curious if you guys think that might affect Boynton's ability to recruit these five-star guys um, going forward. Again, love the podcast. Thank you guys very much. And go Pokes. Thanks, Ryan. Go Pokes to yeah, you. Thanks, and uh, thanks for the compliment at the beginning there. It's uh, it's always good to hear people love the show. So thank you for saying that. But, um, you know, Dustin, since, since this came to my phone and I've heard it already, I'll go ahead and answer. So you've got a little time to think about it. Um, I agree with your you know general assessment, Ryan, that they haven't popped like you would have hoped, but I think that's more common in basketball than you, you, you know, like to think when, when you've got 25, five stars in a class, you're bound to get some that are really good basketball players, which I still think Bryce Thompson and Musa Cisse are like their talent is clear. The ball just doesn't go in the hoop. And so for those guys, like I do not think their inability to produce consistently holds us back, holds Boynton back in any way to recruit five stars because I think he's got one of the best recruiting pitches out there for teams of Oklahoma State stature and saying, hey, we've got the number one pick in the NBA. Um, so, I mean, trust me. And I think it's as simple as that. 
Um, and I think Cissé and Thompson at some point they figured out. I think Cissé's had a little bit better start to the year. He's definitely more of a presence, but I think Thompson's going to figure it out. I really do. He does a lot of good things well. The ball just doesn't go in. Yeah, I completely agree. And also just kind of along with what Cade said, thanks, Ryan, for the question and the kind words at the beginning. We love the voice questions, so really appreciate it. But yeah, Cade, I agree. And I, I do think Ryan brings up a good point, but kind of what you said, they're still kind of riding the high off of, off Cade Cunningham's season. So I don't know how much this season would really impact that. And then the other thing is CC and Bryce are getting minutes. These guys are starting. So even though they're not performing really well right now, you know, these kids are going to see that and be like, you know, Oh yeah. We're in, the, we're in the game, getting minutes, transferring in, coming straight out of high school. You know, we've seen Boynton play young guys. So I think, I don't think, it's affecting it yet, I guess, is my answer, which I think is kind of where you were that's, at as That's well. where but, I'm at, 100%. But definitely a great question, Ryan. Really appreciate it, and a great great discussion on that. So. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I will be curious to see what happens. I've, I've said this before, I think. Um, a name to watch is Anthony Black. He's another five-star kid out of Duncanville, Texas, that Oklahoma State has been in on for a long time. They're pitching him as, you know, come in and play a very similar role to Cade Cunningham. Um, he's one to keep an eye on. There, there was even some talk that he was going to be an early signee. I, I don't know really what happened there and why that didn't happen. Um, but, you know, he's a five-star recruit, and he's just skyrocketed up the list in a very similar way that Cade Cunningham did his junior into his senior year. So Anthony black is one to keep an eye on. If that doesn't happen, I'm not sure if they are in on a five-star beyond him in this upcoming class. Um, you know, they've already brought in Quine Williams. He's been signed. So, and you know, he's already elevated himself up to a four-star Dustin. There are 11 four plus star recruits on this roster right now. It's incredible. What Boynton has done recruiting. The it talent is off the charts. It's just like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> just gotta get some shots to fall baby and we'll oh i feel like I'm a broken record over here it's just like <laughs> make a shot all right that that's all we got on the voice questions dustin did you happen to have uh any twitter questions at the ready yeah we'll we'll walk through some of these we've got a i think we had two from last week two or three and then we'll walk through the ones from this week as well so First up, you got at reading writer. Thank you for the question. He says this is about the bowl game. So a couple of weeks back, but it took getting down big to Notre Dame to speed us back up. He's talking about the offense, and that appears to be where Sanders is most comfortable. How do the offensive coaches not recognize this all season? Was this just a one-time matchup change, or do you think we should play faster next season? Spoiler, we should. So, Kate, if you don't mind, I know we had kind of talked about this off air during the game. But with tempo, obviously, yes, they want to play with tempo. But, Kate, let me ask you this. Coming into this season, at the beginning of the season, in tempo, you need a quarterback that can make quick, fast, accurate decisions and not turn the ball over. Coming into this season, would you want Spencer Sanders to do that? Yeah, does that describe Spencer Sanders well? No. And, and he's, he's done it. He's done it this season. But you've got to have that. You've got to also think about what everybody talks about with tempo. If you can't string successful plays together, your offensive possession is going to be 20 seconds long. Defense is on the field for even longer. They've had a great defense, but some seasons, depending on how your defense is, you're not able to do that. Another little thing you got to think about, the offensive line, 
you've got to, they've got to be in good shape if you're going to be running tempo and running up and down the field. And Oklahoma State didn't have the depth there. Another thing you got to think about early in the season with Oklahoma State, the receiver depth and experience issues with the injuries, things that happened with Braden Johnson, even the young guys getting Half hurt. the season. You need it, – it's quick routes, and a lot of those are kind of option routes, which the quarterback and receiver need to be on the same page. You, They just didn't have that kind of chemistry. And later in the season, you see tempo was working. They went to tempo more. So it's something they'll definitely do. And then lastly, the factor against teams like Baylor, if they're going to put two safeties high and play some two-man under – and then some two-man zone, it's just tough to run tempo against a really good defense that can do that, not let you have anything deep and are able to match up and man on your receivers. Your receivers have to be able to win the battles in the quick game. So all that said, yes, Oklahoma State wants to go tempo. Gundy loves going tempo. All teams want to go tempo. It's just I think the circumstances of the season didn't really allow for it. So kind of reading right to your point, definitely want to go tempo as much as possible. So love the question because it made me kind of think, and Kate and I talked about this off air. So it was a great question to go along with that after the game. I wanted to hit on it last week, but Kate, any other thoughts on that? I, I think it, it's such an interesting thing to talk about because obviously they want to go tempo. Yeah. They want you to score have to have 50 all these points. different things. Yeah. yeah they, they want to be explosive on offense and they are at times, but um, Dustin, I think you, you absolutely nailed it. I think when you spoke about, how you don't want to get on the field, go three and out, especially, you know, early on in the year, they weren't running the ball all that well. You don't want to get on the field, go three and out, get the ball back to the opposing offense and then tire out your defense. You'll, you'll lose a lot of games doing that. And I think on a bigger level, that's what you're seeing in the big 12 as a whole, like the whole game has slowed down. It has gotten more um, tightened up. Like it's not as spread out as it used to be. Like Baylor's not spreading you around the field as they were in the Art Briles era. OU's not doing it the way they were, you know, under Bob Stoops. They, the whole game has condensed a little bit. Um, and I think tempo is a huge piece of that because I think Dustin, exactly as you said, you don't want to punt the ball back after a quick three and out and get your defense tired. I think the track meets of the big 12, like, I think those days are just, they're a little bit gone. And frankly, I'm not heartbroken about it. I enjoyed this style of football far more than I enjoyed feeling like you could never get a stop because the defense has been on the field the entire game. Even if you score in three possessions, it's just, or I'm sorry, in three plays, it's just completely unlike what we're used to. And I think it's going to take Oklahoma state fans a lot of getting used to, because I think we've seen, I mean, Oklahoma state went 12 and two this year. And we've talked a lot about how bad the offense is. And they went 12 and two and beat Notre Dame and Oklahoma. And it's just like, I think, I don't think the offense is that bad. I think it just looks a whole lot different because of the style that they're playing, because of the way these defenses are in the Big 12 right now. Um, so to me, it's just like, you know, I, I, I think they want to go tempo, as you said, but why would they? Yeah. And I think next year, because of how well Sanders played and you could see the obvious improvements in his decision-making and his able to just ability to just kind of read the defense. I think you'll see tempo. I think you'll see them slow it down and then you have a good mix and that makes your offense even better. So great question. Um, love it. And we'll move on to the next one here. So these are going to kind of be off the wall because <laughs> of how they were in order, but uh, Brian Metcalf at Brian J Metcalf. Brian, thanks. You're always asking us great questions. I think yep. you have two in here. So 
He says, who goes farther in the College World Series, our baseball team or our softball team? I loved this one. And I kind of told you this, Dustin. We need to get the coaches on the pod and have them tell us. Right. That would be awesome. So if you've got an in with with Kenny G or anybody in the Cowboy baseball room, like let us know because we, we want them on the pod. We want to talk deep on those sports. Um, but, you know, my my hunch, I think Oklahoma State softball has reloaded a little bit from what I've read about them. Uh, I, I would expect to see them uh, back at Oklahoma City. I think Oklahoma State baseball, though. Is going to be really good. They were ranked seventh in that preseason poll you and I discussed a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's not going to be a crappy spring in Stillwater, man. I think the stadiums are going to be packed. The weather's going to be beautiful. Um, so I'll take OSU softball to, to be the more likely entrant there. I think they're on a on a hot streak right now. Um, they seem like the natural fit, but it would not shock me to see Oklahoma State make it to, to Omaha. Yeah, no, 100%. I think I'm going to agree with you with softball. Because really, they're only they're losing Everly, which is huge. Yeah, and Febri, uh at first base, but they pretty much return everybody, and they've got a great transfer catcher coming in. Yes, who's, Dad's one of the coaches on the staff. They've got some solid. I think they have a solid pitcher transfer coming in, and pretty much like I said, everybody else is coming back, so they're going to be really good. But this may be Josh Holiday's best baseball team yeah. since he has been the head coach in what, what I believe twenty thirteen. Yeah. They they lose some guys, you know. They lose Stanley in the pitching room. They lose Cade Cavanis. They lose McCusker. They lose Incarnacion Strand. But man, with Campbell, Nolan McLean coming back healthy, Houston Morrill, Marcus Brown, they've got Rock Riggio coming in, a highly touted recruit. They've got some great transfers of their own. Guy from Northern Kentucky that's supposed to be pretty good. Pretty much returned their entire outfield. They're going to be good. They're going to be very good. We'll see at the end of the season. I think I'm going to lean softball with you. I think that was the right call, but I'm excited for both. What a name, Rock Riggio, too. I can't wait to be in Obraith this year. I mean, Dustin, I don't know how many games you made it up to. It was limited capacity last year for so long, and then it got into the dog days of summer. I wasn't able to get up there for a full game in Obraith, so I am very, very excited to get to a packed house Obraith Stadium. It's awesome. I made it up to three and they were a blast. I actually went, went to one with, uh, with both our only two guests on the podcast, Adam Lunt and Alex Fuller. So oh, good guys. I've had a riot to watch a baseball game with too. So uh, no, I can't wait. I'm definitely excited for that part of the year for sure. All right. So moving on, we've got uh, Oakley Burklow at Buffalo Oak. He always asks some great questions. Will Malcolm Rodriguez be in the ring of honor one day? Kate, I think I have a quick, simple answer for this one. I, but yes, I, I have a yes. And I, and I'll, I'll make it simple too. He is the best Oklahoma state defensive player I can remember. So therefore he's in the ring of honor. It's going to depend on his NFL career. I think to actually get there, but I think at this point in time, he's the best defensive player I can remember at Oklahoma state. That's almost hundred percent my same answer. I, I think it just depends if he's able to make it in the NFL, even just, even just as kind of a role-playing guy, I think he's an automatic. Yes. He's just such a cowboy hero. Like he's such an Oklahoma state guy. It's almost like in the same vein as like that. They may put Justin Blackman in the ring of honor one day, whose NFL career crashed and burned. Um, 
like he's just a he's going to be one of those guys you look back on 10 years from now and you think very very highly of so to me i think it's yes but i do think he's gonna have to do something in the nfl so i wouldn't be surprised to see that be the you know contingent factor there i agree okay moving on we've got at neil crone or Neil Crone, he's at Neil's Fierce. He says, Gundy keeps talking about if we invest in football, we can do X, Y, Z. Obviously, more football, more money for football is always a good to Gundy thing, but any idea of what he is specifically aiming for? He's mentioned it enough now. I suspect there is far more to the story. Kay, do you want to kind of take that one? We've talked about this, and I feel like you've yeah. explained this. Much yeah, no, I think I we, we might have already. I think we may have had this one, but I think they're talking about recruiting. I think they're talking about facilities. I think they're talking about all the obvious things. They're talking about upgrades to Boone Pickens Stadium itself on the fan level. They're, they're talking about making that next step. Um, and to me, that involves everything. That involves the fan experience with the pom-poms and the fireworks. It involves um, you know, a new football recruiting center that they're building right now, new locker rooms. So um that's that's what he's talking about, in my opinion. What do you think? No, I completely agree with you. And we had talked about this one. I think that's probably what questions I'm... <laughs> and we didn't get to it. So oh, you are a hundred percent correct. Well, because even though I, I just throw everything at Cade normally, I try to at least give him a heads up on some of the Twitter questions, and he's obviously on the Twitter so he can see them. So we had talked about that one and then had probably that's like right. a 10 minute discussion and then didn't even talk about it. And that's but... those, that's the lost tapes of the feels like 45 pod. <laughs> you guys just did that. Didn't air. You don't get our, uh, before the pod discussions. That was honestly, K just made it really concise, simple. I think Neil, I think that's kind of how that's what he's referring to. And he's pretty much brought it up in like six press conferences this year and Kate hit it right on the head. So I'll leave it at that. We've got next, we've got David Welchel, our buddy, David, at Stilly Vanilli. I think he's asked the same question before. He says, why do you hate OSU wrestling? David, we don't. You know that we don't. Cade and I. Legitimately don't. I like it. Listen to Lee Cothran's podcast. If you don't listen to it, Dynasty Defined, check it out. Best Oklahoma State wrestling podcast out there. I think it's the only, but it's still the best. (laughs) But we love Lee. David, we love you. It seems like you hate us. Yeah. I mean, we don't hate OSU wrestling. I just, (laughs) I need to know more about it. I never wrestled, never followed wrestling. So somebody help me out here. Throw me a freaking bone, please. <laughs> okay, moving on. We've got uh, DJ at OK State Revolution. He says, where does Sanders rank in all-time uh, OSU QBs? Whoa. And then he has, who helped their reputation most this year? And he gave some examples as Sanders, Gundy, Dunn, Dickey the offensive line as a whole or someone else. I think Sanders all time right now, you got to put him in the top five, right? I mean, especially just considering that he's going to start next year and he even has another year to come back that the stats he's going to rack up. Yeah. They're going to be ridiculous. It's, it's going to be absurd. The statistics. So I think you just on that alone, and, I, you know, obviously, DJ didn't give us any parameters, but I think if you go on stats alone, yes, you have to put him in there. Okay, so, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a top five. <laughs> no, this wasn't your question, uh, but I'm, this is going to help me. Number one, Brandon Whedon. Number two, Mason Rudolph. 
Number three, I'm going to go. I mean, number three is probably Mike Gundy. And number four is probably Clint Shelf in my mind because of what he accomplished. You're not going to go Zach? I'm not. And I'm going to go Zach at number five. So I don't, I don't think Sanders is a top five Oklahoma State quarterback today. I mean, he does have a Fiesta Bowl win, which is more than what Zach accomplished. Clint Shelf, though, I mean, he he led Oklahoma State to a, you know, like, man, I'm stepping in my own so words here. It's it's Josh close. Fields. It's close. If you're gonna go off big wins, I mean, Josh Fields right beat OU twice. Well, where I was going with this was like Clint Shelf led Oklahoma State in 2013 2012 and 2013 to two big 12 title game appearances basically um and you know big wins over baylor that year who was number three in the country at the time so what i i think i i'm stepping in my own words here i you might have to slot in spencer sanders ahead of clint shelf because of what happened late this year with a, a bedlam win which clint shelf never accomplished a, a Big 12 title appearance, that's that's a push, but a Fiesta Bowl win over Notre Dame. I, I think I will give Spencer the edge over Clint Shelf. So I will go Spencer 5, Zach 4, uh, and then back down the list, Gundy, Rudolph, and Whedon. Yeah, I think my top five is the same. Some mix of obviously Whedon 1 and then Rudolph, Zach, Gundy, and I think I have Spencer at 5. I think I just have a lot of fond memories of Clint Shelf because he was – very careful with the ball. He just always was, uh, you know, doing the right thing. So, uh, but I think just from a resume standpoint, Spencer's also po guy doesn't crack it. <laughs> does he? No, he does not, sir. He okay. does not crack it, but I will say I got an up close and personal look at him uh, as he took on Vince young in 2004. <laughs> I think that was uh, so a little bit of a quarterback mismatch that night in Stillwater. Yeah, well, we love Oslo Poe guy. I just love saying his name. So, oh, yeah. um, and then the second part of DJ's question, yeah, who helped their reputation most? I think, I think I'm gonna go Gundy because of how the beginning of the season went and then how it ended. Because of the slow start, you got people saying, Is it time to get let Gundy go? And then, like you said, you go 12 and two and you beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. So, I don't know if the I don't know if I could pick anyone else. You could maybe you could have said Jim Knowles, but I don't know if you can say that now with him going to Ohio State. So I think I'm going to go Gundy. I like Gundy too. There, the only other one that I would you know make a case for is going to be Spencer Sanders. Outside of two games, both against Baylor, he had a great year, a great year. And to me, and and to you, I know this because we've talked about it. He was he was the guy. He turned the corner. So to me, it's. I would say it's Gundy. I agree with you, but if there's an honorable mention, I mean, it's Spencer to me. Yeah. I I think Spencer and Gundy, I don't know if you can say any particular player on the defense because they, their reputations were already high. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I agree with you, but Rodriguez, did we have yes. Rodriguez penciled in as the best Oklahoma state defensive player in the last 10 years? I did. I think Malcolm's another good name to throw in there. Yeah, I mean, I he might on, he might be right there. On offense, it's tough again. Like, I think Devin Harper, too. I mean, did you have him picked as, like, the impact player he was? Devin Harper's a good one. I actually just thought of another one. I'm, I'm basically making myself look dumb now because <laughs> I said – Christian Holmes. Yeah, I knew that's what you were going to say. There was – I mean, <laughs> to be fair. They wouldn't even throw at him. 
No, no. They stopped it, throwing at him because he was so locked down. We start with Gundy because it's obvious, but I think you you look at the defensive side of the ball, everybody played above what we thought they were going to. Nobody thought they were going to be, you know, statistically number one in some categories and top five in almost all of them. Nobody thought that, period. So Tamar? to me, uh, t- dude. If you're going to just make it guys who've been on the team for more than one year, so take out all the freshmen, you probably got to take out Jalen Warren. I, I think on offense, the other one is probably Tamar. Yeah, I mean – I think you really could go on and on. I think everybody, I think Mike Gundy said this uh, last <laughs> everyone, week. Every everyone, every single Everyone, <laughs> this whole team weighs uh, surpassed expectations. So I really think you can make a case for most guys on this team really like up the game and then who made a name for himself. I think you could start at that list we just rattled off. So yeah, I no, I agree. Okay, let's move on. Brian, Brian asked two. We'll hit this one, might hit this one quick. And, Kate, I might throw this one over to you. Brian, again, always thanks for the questions. You're always killing it, and they're always good questions. Well, that one yeah. where you made us go look up the plus minus, that yeah. was kind of annoying. That's but actually, most of them are good questions. That's what was ping-ponging in my head. <laughs> Just kidding, <laughs> Brian. But, okay, thoughts on uh, Bullsby's support of KU in their NCAA violation case versus his yes. non-action in OSUs. I know, Kate, this is your wheelhouse, oh. so I'm just sending it over to you. Yeah, let me step on my soapbox here. Brian, great question. I think it's absolutely absurd. Kansas, check your privilege, bro. I mean, this is <laughs> – it's it's unjust okay you've got a, a conference commissioner out here bending the knee to oklahoma and texas who left you bending the knee to kansas who's gonna is in the hottest water it gets with the ncaa and you know what they do to oklahoma state last week they uphold a postseason ban where they can't even play in the conference tournament a sham of a postseason ban i will i will add so um no bowlsby is you know I mean, worthless i don't know who pays his salary i i hope it's not uh you american taxpayers i don't think it is but um whoever does is getting a rip off if it is cade's not paying his taxes this year so <laughs> yeah that's all uh, well record. i i didn't say that just for the record but you, you know <laughs> no i love that cade th- thanks for taking that I, you're so much more locked into that stuff than me because i'm just not smart enough but brian thanks for the question okay next we've got nathan mckenzie he said is boynton on the hot seat no no I, i'm not laughing at the question nathan i'm laughing at dustin's delivery and if you can see his face like i can that it was it's just funny um i know mike boyne is not on the hot seat and he will not be on the hot seat for multiple years um and i don't expect multiple years of this it's a lame duck season and right now they're literally playing for themselves so yeah the I just don't think there's any way they'd fire him this season with the postseason ban stuff after how last season went Kate Cunningham, number one pick. So um, I think, yeah, that one's just, that one's no. On to our buddy, Alex Fuller at Fuller fun boy four. I feel like a creep saying his Twitter handle. I, he knows. I don't well, his like Twitter handle is so. a little creepy. So yeah. So uh, apologies if I offended anyone or if you have children in the car and that sounded weird. So yeah, uh, he says, I love this question, though, Fuller, thanks. And Fuller always sends great questions in, and he was a guest on the pod. We always appreciate it. Who will be the highest draft pick for, he calls us TAOSU, the actual OSU, in this year's NFL draft? So, Cade, I thought about this a little bit because I saw it earlier, and, and you know, him and I were texting today. So I think it's going to go – and. My assumption here, and you can do whatever you want, 
but my assumption is going to be everybody's hundred percent healthy. Yeah. So Josh Sills is hundred percent healthy and, and Trey Sterling hundred percent healthy, even though I know his is a hand. So it's not as big of a deal, but I'm going to go Trey Sterling one. I think Trey Sterling gets drafted. I think he's the highest. I think Colby Harvell peels two, And I think he gets drafted. And then I think Malcolm Rodriguez gets drafted late, but I think he gets drafted. And I'm just not sure on Sills. I think he could crack it late. So, but just knowing Oklahoma State forward brought up a good point. Just knowing Oklahoma State's history, I feel like we always think multiple guys are going to get drafted and it's less and they're later than what we thought. Yeah, so that's I'm spot gonna go, on. I'm going to go three and I'm going to go Trey Sterling as the highest. I'm going to leave yeah. Sills out. I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. And I, I do see Sills as, a, as an undrafted free agent. I even could, as much as I hate this, I can see Colby Harville Peel. And I think Rodriguez will get drafted just based on his street cred alone. But would it stun you to see him slip out of the draft completely just with it, his measurables? It wouldn't. Honestly, the it only seems person unbelievable I think is probably going to get drafted because I think he's going to get a combine invite, which I think Rodriguez will too. I believe those go out at the end of January. Fuller used to work for a sports agency, and I, that's what he was thinking. So we'll see. But if if Trey can run in that 4-5 range, which I think he can. I think his high school 40 time was like a four five eight or something. If he can get in that range, I think Trey's for sure gets drafted. Yeah, Do no, you I've, agree with that? I 100% agree with that. And the, my reasoning is he was the most hyped up going into this year. And even though he was injured, I don't think he hurt his draft stock because it was a hand and he's got so much good film already. Yeah, He didn't do anything to hurt it. He was already so hyped. I know he didn't play, but I don't think that drops his stock. No, I, hand injury. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Something's repairable. Everybody at this point's broken something in the NFL. So and he plays no. defense. Right. Safety. So I, I do see Trey Sterling getting drafted. Colby Harvell Peel, the, just the, the, the question I have is how he, like, does he have the ball skills? I like, I know he has the on ball skills. Does he have the range that's required of an NFL safety? Like where does he actually fit in a non gym scheme where you're, I mean, he's a unbelievable run defending safety but like you got to do both in the NFL. So I just have questions on everybody other than Trey Sterling as to their ability to get drafted. So, yeah, I agree. And, you know, we left out Danny Godlewski. I, yep. I don't even know. I'm not sure how he recovered from his foot injury. I haven't even seen for sure that he's going to go to the NFL. I could be wrong there. Jalen Warren is, you got LD Brown. I don't think either of those guys get drafted. Maybe somebody takes a flyer on Warren late, but he's got a lot of mileage on him. Yeah. Awesome player. I think he could definitely make a roster. So Devin Harper, I, I don't know what his status is. He's had so many injuries over his career. He I know has. there was some talk, some rumors about him, maybe not even continuing his college career at one point. So we'll see there, but I definitely think he's a guy that can make a roster. So am I leaving anybody off, Cade? Not, not in my mind, you know, Tay Martin, where, where does Christian Holmes? Yeah. It's just a Antoine. lot of, I, I don't I don't see Antoine getting drafted. I just don't Tay like, Martin. Yeah, Tay is one. I I just don't know if those guys get drafted. I, I think I think Trey Harvell, who we net, who you just kind of went through, Trey, Harvell Peel, Sills, and Malcolm probably have the best shots. I can see Tay getting a late look. Um yeah. just from his route running ability. Um at that He's got point. Good film now. 
at that yeah at that point you're taking a flyer on on every single pick so i that wouldn't shock me um so i don't know great question fuller appreciate yeah, it for sure Okay, we got Matthew Leslie next. He says, if Gundy were to teach a traditional lecture course at OSU, example, Mike Leach, what is the most likely topic? And two, what Gundy course would you take but would never get approved by the administration? He's got to be an ag teacher, right? (laughs) Oh, you were thinking ag. I was thinking uh, like American history. (laughs) (laughs) Um. The so, course that the course that I would take, but would never get approved, would probably be hunting with Gundy, hunting, hunting and Gundy, fishing with Gundy, or like you know playbook philosophy, or you know <laughs> social media etiquette. That would be one that I would want to see from him. Like the, doesn't the, he have like a a llama? Maybe how to take care of llamas? Yeah, like some a, kind of exotic turtle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Life on a ranch one hundred and one. That's what I would want that, to know from Gundy. That's it, Cade. That's yeah, the ranch, ranch living. That's it. I yeah. think. Okay, so that's we a got, great. I that's a great sh- question. Sorry, Dustin. That's just a, that's a good creative question. I love that one. No, I I love it as well. And he says, "Keep up the great work, gentlemen." Matthew, really appreciate that. I did want to shout out uh, Patty at Patty Longlegs. He uh, just asked us a question on our depth chart, so he was using that to kind of keep track of who's left and who's staying. So. Appreciate that, Patty, and glad you're using that. Like I said, I'll send out another one later this week. And then Alex Cannon, I think this is a good one to end on. <laughs> what is Casey Dunn's plan to incorporate AJ Ferrari into the offense in 2022? Oh, uh, well, are they requiring shirts? Do you still have to wear a jersey? Because he's so, been on I, the field flexing. Yeah, well, because I just don't know if Ferrari's willing to do it if he's got to wear a shirt. That's true. It, <laughs> I, I do think just handing the ball to AJ Ferrari would be a, a play that you could run because he'd be a nightmare to take down. So, oh, and he, you know, he wants to be out there. <laughs> he'll, he'll pad up right now. The problem would be he'd have to come off the field after every play because he'd rip off his helmet, shoulder pads, and shirt. <laughs> so then he has to come off the field, put it back on, come back on. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be kind of a nightmare. nightmare very inefficient. Tempo. Yeah. You, very inefficient. Question. So. <laughs> Uh, I could see him taking on like a minister of culture role, similar to Matthew McConaughey, Uh, which by the way, Dustin, you and I have never talked about this. Des Bryant. What can, can we give that guy a phone call uh, to become the minister of culture in Stillwater, please? I think, I think he annoyed Gundy too much on the sideline on that game. He was at why, why? (laughs) Hey, I was just kidding. Just every time they panned over there, it was like Gundy was by Des. Brian, Des, Des Gundy, had him by the, the by the neck. Like he was like, had him by the shoulders, probably whispering like in his to ear, coach. throw it deep. But uh, yeah, I, Des, total fit for Minister of Culture. But hey, if, if Des isn't willing, uh, then I would go AJ Ferrari in that role. No problem. No, I love the Des call out. Kate, I did, and I wanted to throw it back to you, obviously, for some final calls, but I did just want to call out, just because I didn't want to forget this, Terry Miller. Oh, yeah. Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame. Just shout out to him. Obviously, before our time, but there's a ring of runner-up in the Heisman Trophy voting. I, think, I believe he was a two-time All-American. Just one of the great in the great line of Oklahoma State running backs, so just wanted to shout that out. Oh, I love it. Definitely a ring of honor entrant, I would think, Terry Miller. Um, so oh, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that gets filled up over the years. I would think he's a, a no-doubter at this point. 
But Dustin, I mean, anything else? I mean, we we do it every week. We say we're not doing it. We're not going long. And then it's 915 Central and uh, I got to go to bed. <laughs> no, I agree. I I think the only other thing, Kate, is uh, Gundy was at the American Football Coaches Association convention this week. And he had said he was interviewing some defensive coordinator guys, talking to some coaches there. So, mm. you know, he's already probably interviewed the in-house guy so i think we see a defensive coordinator announcement in the next couple of weeks would you agree i would shoot i mean i would think so there you got recruiting to do i would think you can't beat around the bush on something like that um and as you just said perfectly the the internal candidates have already interviewed um for eight years now so uh <laughs> yeah, go go talk forever. around at this coaches convention where it's notorious that this is kind of the the networking event of the year. Uh, I I think even Gundy might have met a former coordinator here for the first time. Something about that rings a bell. But um, yeah, no no doubt it's it's time. Let's go find somebody. And I would I would say for sure in the next couple of weeks, if it goes on longer than that, that's a they're dragging it on. Oh, I agree. You think what's your guess inside the program or outside? I think the obvious answer to that question is internal like because i think people think it's going to be joe bob clements my gut is they go outside they go outside the program and go try to replicate what they found with jim knowles what they found with mike yurcich mike gundy can hire coordinators like nobody's business so i i just feel like they'll go outside but i mean shoot they accelerate or they elevated Casey Dunn into the offensive coordinator role after he, you know, earned his stripes. So wouldn't shock me one bit to see uh, one of those guys on the defense move up. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I think that's a great point. Um, I think they go outside as well. I, okay. Kind of like what you said, but also just kind of a hunch. I don't, I don't know. I just I don't know what it is. Outside. I don't know what it is. I think Gundy is more creative than people like to give him credit for at times. Like they, they talk about him being stuck in his ways, being conservative. That could be his class. Create creativity. Oh, create creative. Hi- Ooh, <laughs> hiring for culture. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Cause only Mike Gundy's hiring from Shippensburg. Okay. And I, it wouldn't shock me to see something like that again. So all right, Dustin. Yeah. A blast as always, my man. Uh, appreciate you jumping on and and talking with me. I enjoy it every week. And again, to the listeners, I mean, that that question section of the podcast was awesome. That was a lot of fun hearing from you guys and um, putting your stamp on the show. And we just love it. Just love it. That's all I can really say about it. So, yeah, I, I think that was like half the show. So we you can obviously <laughs> tell we love spending time on those questions and really appreciate you guys asking them and just listening. I know we say it every week, but thanks so much. Well, one, another huge thank you um, that I have, it, and you know, Dustin, I'm sure you'd echo this as well. Thank you to you know helping us pass a thousand followers on our Twitter page. That's a big one for us. Um, it kind of stamps us as like, okay, we're doing this now. Um, and you know, if you if you like the show, share it with your friends. You know, tell us what we could be doing better. I've I'm, I've got thick skin. I can handle it. Um, we want to make this as, as enjoyable as possible and we're trying to build something here. So again, to the thousand followers on Twitter, thank you. Can't wait to see what's in store for the feels like 45 podcast in the future. Um, and you know, for me, uh, that's all I've got, Dustin, if you don't have any final words, I'll go ahead and sign us off. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Cade Webb. follow Dustin at Dustreku and follow us on Twitter at feels like 45 pod. 
and go pokes have a great week stay healthy let's get a win somewhere between texas tech between lubbock and waco let's get a win in one of those spots and we'll talk to you next week go pokes